turn with me to the Old Testament book of Psalms, Psalm 126 this morning. And if you're able to this morning, let's stand out of respect for the Word of God, Psalm 126. And if you're visiting with us today, hopefully you receive one of the outlines in the bulletin and you can follow along that way. And uh, if listen, if anyone ever comes and you do not have a copy of God's Word, we'd love to give you one. And uh, we always want to make sure people have the Bible. But if you're able to stand, let's read these couple verses here. And we're going to begin here in Psalm 126 and verse number 5. The Bible says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Everybody have those verses, all right? Let's read it together, all right? Here we go. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bearing his, bringing his sheaves with him. And so this morning we're going to focus on this thought, the soul winner's tears this month. Like every month this year, we've, of course, been wanting to magnify the Lord. There's various aspects of the Christian life, and one of those is this matter of soul winning or winning souls for Christ. And I've mentioned it before, even last week, that we cannot necessarily win somebody to Christ, but God can use us to help others to know their need of salvation And our prayer this morning is that everyone here, everyone listening, already knows the Lord is their Savior. How many of you right now can think of someone that you know that is not saved? Would you raise your hand? I think almost everybody's got their hand up this morning. And so we want to pray that God would give us tears for lost souls, a greater desire to see people saved. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the precious Word of God. I pray that you'd use it to help us. Lord, if there's anyone that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, today they would accept the gift of God, which is eternal life. God, give us a greater burden for the lost. And we thank you for what you're about to do in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. <clears throat> when I look at this, these two verses the sowing of the seed. It kind of reminds me of the farmer who will go out into his field and he will break up the ground of the field. He will sow the seeds in the ground and then he'll return to his home awaiting, waiting for the the fruit of that seed that has been planted, wanting to see a harvest. And this is the desire of the farmer, that one day that same farmer can return from that, uh, to that same field rejoicing with the fruit that he has received. Notice here the harvest that you see for the farmer. Now, the Bible tells us as you think about the field that the farmer goes into, look at this verse in Matthew 13, in verse 38. The Bible says just simply, the field is the world. A lot of churches in days gone by had a sign above their door as you're leaving the church that says you are now entering the mission field because the world 
is the field. Notice Jesus says in John 4, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now, if you've ever seen, and some of you may have been in the Midwest more than others, but a lot of times you'll be driving along, or maybe you had the privilege to live in an area where you would see fields of grain, wheat that is ready to be harvested, like the picture that you see here. Sometimes when it's ready to be brought in or harvested, and the sun hits this wheat, instead of it looking golden, many times it looks white. And the Bible says, don't say there's four months, don't put off, don't procrastinate. The fields are white already. Believe it or not, there are people out there right now that are ready to be a part of the harvest, that are ready to put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times our own fears, our inadequacies keep us from telling others about the Lord. But the Bible says that we, like Jesus is talking about these farmers, we as his people, we are the ones that are to be planting. We are to be tending that which we plant that hopefully one day we will see and we will reap a harvest in our day too. God calls us to be active in spreading the message that God has given to us to a world that is perishing. You and I are to be witnesses in this present day to be soul winners for the Lord. And as we go out, what do we do? Well, we scatter the seed of the Word of God. Now, I love how God has given us His Word. And according to the Bible, God's Word is seed. And we have these seeds that God has given to us. And as we have the seeds, what we are to do is we're to scatter these seeds, the gospel seeds. We're to give out the Word of God. It's so very important that we understand. Look in Luke 8, verse number 11. The Bible says, the seed is the Word of God. So the world, the field is the world, and the seed is the Word of God. We are to scatter the seed. James said, lay lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. God's word is able to save a soul. Peter says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. God's word is powerful. And what we need to do, listen, one of the Old Testament prophets said this, he said, the seed is still in the barn. For many of us, we have a Bible. We have the incorruptible word of God, the seed that can change a life. But instead of sowing it, we're just keeping it to ourselves. God has given it to us so that we can share it with other people. And it begins with us having a proper attitude. 
we must have a proper attitude, an attitude of pursuit. Look in, in your Bible again in Psalm 126. Look at verse number 5 again. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth. See, after we're saved, God has a work for us to do. How many of you know Christ as your Savior this morning? Would you raise your hand? I see hands all over the auditorium. Now, God didn't just save you so that you can just sit and do nothing. God has saved us, and he has a work for us to do. The sower, that's us, according to Psalm 126 and verse number 6, we are to go forth and sow the seed. And again, the seed is the Word of God. Going forth, as you see it here in the Word of God, it's in the present tense. That means that this is something that that we, as God's people, should be doing continually. It's an ongoing action to go forth. Jesus said even in Matthew 28, go. And as we go, notice it's, it's the idea that we are going out. We are constantly going. We are constantly telling others about Jesus. I don't know about you, but it's happened to me a few times. I think many times we just assume, because it's 2021, that everybody's heard about Jesus. But you know, I've actually come across some people who honestly, genuinely did not know who Jesus is. Now, that's mind-boggling, because God has given so many ways that people can know Him, creation, conscience through others, through circumstances. But yet many people are blind to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God and that He gave Himself so that they can have eternal life. See, the Bible says that the soul winner is to be constantly telling others about Jesus. It should be a the continual ministry of every born-again Christian. There will never be a moment where the gospel, the good news, is not needed. But see, it begins with a proper attitude, an attitude of pursuit, go forth. It also is an attitude of passion. The Bible says, look again at verse uh, verse 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth. Here's the farmer, can you see him? He's going out into his field, he's sowing, But as he sows, he is shedding tears. Why would a farmer shed tears over a crop, over seeds? Well, if you've ever farmed, you understand the importance of what you're doing. You understand that the seeds that you are sowing, that everything depends on the next crop. He knows that if this becomes a good crop, if something comes of these seeds, he has a burden to see the seed multiplied and as a result of the multiplication that many more people might live. In this envelope, I have some seeds. Anybody ever planted anything? I remember years ago, my uh, I don't know what you call them, but it, there were these trees where I grew up and uh, they had these things, I, as a little kid, I called them whirly birds. They were these little things that had a seed in them, and they were about this long, and they would spin out of the tree and fall to the ground. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I'm not crazy. A few people do know what I'm talking about. 
And, uh, and, I, and, and when those fell to the ground, they began to sprout and they began to grow. And I walked by one day, I was probably maybe 10, 11 years old, and I looked down and it was an itty-bitty little baby tree. I thought it was so cute. And so I said something to my dad. My dad said, he says, well, you know, I guess he was humoring me. And my dad, we, we dug those up very gently, and we put them in five-gallon buckets. We had two of them. Well, it wasn't maybe a six months or a year later, and those two little itty-bitty trees had outgrown those five-gallon buckets. And my dad decided to plant both of them in the front yard of his house. And about 20 years later, my dad was doing one of these in my face because he had roots that were busting his plumbing under the ground and these trees were overgrowing the yard and he had leaves on his roof and they were filling his gutters and he on and on and on and he had to pay to have a company come and remove the trees. And all of that happened from one little bitty seed. And here I have kernels of corn. Sometimes you see, they call it, it's kind of an odd thing, an ear of corn. If you ever noticed an ear of corn, there are many kernels. I think if I remember right, they, they estimate about 66 kernels on one ear of corn. My, one of my granddaughters, she loves corn. I mean, just, eat, just about to eat the whole thing, you know. And, and so when you think about that, 66 kernels come off of one ear. And sometimes one stalk of corn might have multiple ears of corn on it. But all of that came from one seed. And it helps us understand the importance of the multiplication when we sow the seed of the Word of God. It all begins with a proper attitude and having a burden like the farmer. And listen, all of us need to understand that as we go out, as we share uh, the Word of God, as we sow the seed and we have a burden, I wonder many times, do we ever shed a tear over those that are lost? You ever talk to somebody about the Lord and they want nothing to do with what you're saying? I used to be one of those people. And I look at Jesus in the Word of God as He was on this earth. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Not everybody in his day, even though he was right there in front of them, believed on him. And Jesus wept in his life. I've given you a couple instances there in your notes where Jesus wept. Of course, many of us, probably the first Bible verse you ever memorized was right here, John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. You were so proud of yourself you memorized a verse in the Bible. But if we look at the next verse, verse 36, Then said the Jews... Notice they noticed, behold how he loved him. That was about Lazarus, his friend. Jesus wept because of his friend. Notice Jesus also in Matthew 23, he wept for his country. The Bible says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Can I just tell you that when he says the word Jerusalem, even though it was a city, Jesus wasn't crying over buildings, he was crying over people, his people. 
The same people that John in chapter 1 writes this, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Jesus wept for his friend. He wept for his country. Jesus wept for the world. How many of you, like me, have come to understand that this world is a mess? When's the last time we shed a tear over this world that we live in? The Bible says, notice Jesus in the, in the garden, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus wept. Where's our tears? Years ago, the Salvation Army, and most of us know, know the Salvation Army at Christmas time because they appear at every place that you go into with their red kettle. They're standing out there ringing the bell. Well, many years ago, the Salvation Army was holding one of their major conventions, and the morale for the Salvation of Army, uh, the Salvation Army, was at an all-time low. And they were they were trying to figure out what was going on, and they sent a telegram to their founding father, whose name was William Booth, and they asked uh, William Booth what they could do to get, so to speak, back on their feet. Booth received the telegram, he read it, he knew that the convention was an important time, maybe a turning time, so he sent a telegram back, and when they received it, they read it to the delegation, and it had two words on it. Booth's message to the convention was this, try tears, try tears. They say that when they read that, that many were moved because they had been doing the work without passion. And they say revival began to break out. The sign of revival, the revival never comes until desperation does. And the sign of desperation will be the tears in our eyes and the brokenness in our hearts. Isaiah wrote many years ago, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Your prayer and mine as a Christian should be, God, give us back our tears over a lost and dying world. Give me a greater capacity to, to spend time praying and crying for those. Look, it pleases the Lord when our tears water the seed of the Word of God. We cannot reap until we have first sown the Word of God. Some Christians say, well, many people are not being saved in this day and hour. Wonder why? It's because we are not sowing the seeds of the Word of God. We cannot reap until we have sown. And listen, it is so important for us to understand that it begins with a proper attitude. And that proper attitude goes with what God has given to us. God's given us something that is so wonderful. He's given us potent ammunition. I'm not talking about the kind you put in a gun to shoot at something. I'm talking about, as the Bible says, look at these three words. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. I love those words. The Word of God is precious. Bearing precious seed. When you read that phrase, it's the idea of everywhere you go, you're leaving a trail of seed behind you. 
It's almost as if someone can follow you because you're leaving a trail of seed behind you. Well, what is the seed? The seed is the Word of God. And as you're going, are you sowing? Are you giving out the Word of God? It's so important for us to be bearing the precious seeds of the Word of God. It's potent ammunition. Notice the ways that it is. It is powerful. The Bible says in Jeremiah, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Boy, 37 years, almost 38 years ago, I was 20 years old. Did not know the Lord as my Savior. Really had no, no desire for the things of God. And God took His Word and He just kept hammering away and hammering away and hammering away at my hard and cold heart. God's Word is powerful ammunition. The seed of the Word of God, God's Word changes lives. I love to read the story about the man that they call the maniac of Gadara and how this man, no one could tame him. They found him in the tombs. They tried to chain him. The man was just an utter wreck. But when he met Jesus and he heard the words of God, they found the man clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. God's word's powerful. But notice God's word is also penetrating ammunition. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12, the word of God is quick, it's, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God's Word goes right to the matter. You see, my words have no effect on people, but God's Word, it gets right into our hearts. God's Word exposes things in our lives. You see, it's powerful ammunition. It's penetrating. But it's also preaching ammunition. Say, preaching? Well, that's the job of the pastor. Well, yes, God's called me to preach the Word. But can I tell you, every Christian ought to be in the business of declaring the truth, telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is something we find in the Bible in the first century that the Bible records. Notice in chapter 5 of the book of Acts, daily, not weekly, not monthly, not yearly, daily in the temple. And in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach. Look at this, teach and preach what? Jesus Christ. Listen, these were the Christians People like you and I that know Christ is our Savior, that we are to go everywhere scattering the seeds. Why? Because God wants others to know that they can have a home in heaven. Notice Paul's ministry in Acts 17. Paul, as his manner was. In other words, this was not just something Paul did ever so often. This was his life. After he came to know the Lord, he went in unto them. And three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that 
Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. The word Christ there is the same word. Christos means Messiah. He's the one that God said would come. You see, God's word, it's potent ammunition. We need to make sure that we give it out. It is powerful. It will penetrate. But we must tell this world that Jesus loves them and he died for them. We must pursue them. We must go out with the seed. And we must do it with passion. And if we do, look at this, we will receive a precious award. Remember the farmer? He would go out in the field and see. Notice there, you see the field has already been harvested. To a farmer, that's precious. But when you think about the Christian life, notice if we go back to verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now when I look at these words, I see that that as we go, notice that there will be success. I love that word, doubtless. Without a doubt, the one that goes forth, the one that weeps, the one that bears that precious seed will receive the harvest that he anticipates. Now as I think about that harvest, I think all of us that have been saved for any length of time know that the harvest is not ours. It's his. Jesus said, look at it in Matthew chapter 9, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. The problem that we have today is a shortage of laborers. I mean, we're living in a time right now because of all that's been going on the last year and a half. Shortage of this, a shortage of that. I've never seen people so upset. They're in, the, they're in the aisle in the grocery store, and their favorite cookies are gone. You know? Where are they at? They're down at the port. Right, Eric? They're down there. Everybody's waiting for them to get off the boat, you know? There's a shortage of many things. Well, you know what there's a shortage of when it comes to God's economy? There's a shortage of laborers. Who will go out into the field? of the world and scatter the seed of the Word of God. And as we go, God promises that when we go His way, carrying His message, that we will witness success. Now, I'm not talking about business success, worldly success. Look at this. Success is determined by our obedience to the Lord. When we do what God asks us to do, then guess what? God's going to bless Now notice these verses with me in 1 Corinthians. Paul writes to the church in Corinth. They were a young group of believers, but he's trying to help them understand something, and I think we can get something from this today too. Notice he says, I, Paul, have planted. Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, But God giveth the increase. Now he that planted and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are laborers together with who? 
with God. Now, do you get the picture here? Paul's using, again, agriculture to get people to understand this principle. Paul says, look, I I went out one day, and there he was. I saw this guy, and I began to talk to him, and I began to sow the seed of the Word of God. I began to tell him about how Jesus came from heaven to this earth and lived among men. He was without sin. He gave his life so that you can have eternal life. And the man listened to me, but he did not trust Christ as his Savior. Paul said, I planted. He said, and then, I don't know, maybe in the maybe in the marketplace, maybe out in the streets, maybe at his house. He said, Apollos just happened to come across providentially the same individual, the one that I planted the seed. And he said, Apollos came and he watered. Now, that doesn't mean Apollos went out and got a sprinkler and a garden hose and turned the water on. That means that where Paul had begun to witness to this man, that Apollos came along after Paul, and he began to talk to him further. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but he said, God gave the increase. I love how he follows that. And listen, I believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. He says, listen, he that planted, there's nothing about him. There's nothing special about him. He that water it, there's nothing special about him. But God gives the increase. And he says, we have the joy of laboring together with God. It's a wonderful thing here because he says this precious award that there will be success, that we shall doubtless. That's what God says. That's his promise. But see, it all begins with sowing in tears, sowing the seed of the Word of God. See, I find that there will be success, but I also find there will be satisfaction. Notice again, he says that he shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. That indicates a state of satisfaction, that after that farmer had put forth all that labor, he looks on that harvest, and he, with satisfaction, with joy, he is so glad that he planted, that he sp- scattered that seed. Listen, one day when in our lives, as we witness and when we witness, we may hear, not necessarily in an audible voice, we may hear, well done of God's approval in our own souls. When we see someone that comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we have the satisfaction like that farmer of knowing that because we were obedient to the Lord, that that person that we just talked to, that put their faith in the Lord, that they are no longer going to miss heaven all because we obeyed the Lord. You see, as we go, and so God's promise to give the increase. Certainly not everyone is going to receive the message, but we still have a responsibility to give out the Word of God, to share the seed of the Word of God. You see, there are going to be people in heaven someday, I really believe this, all because you and I took the time to share the message of God. You see, as we think about this matter of the soul winner's tears, If you're saved this morning by the grace of God, 
then according to the Bible, you and I have been given much. Look what it says here in Luke chapter 12, unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they shall ask the more. God's entrusted us with the most precious gift of all, the Word of God. It's the seed that God has given to us. And it's our responsibility to be faithful with it. A lot of times, even yesterday, I told those folks, I don't take it lightly, pastoring and preaching the Word of God, because I will give an account one day for what I've done with it. Well, can I tell you that not only the pastor, but every Christian one day will give an answer to God. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 2, look at it. It is required in stewards. You've been entrusted. You're a steward. That a man, and yes, ladies, that includes you, be found faithful. Are you being faithful with the seed that God's given to you? Are you pursuing those? Do you have a passion to see? Listen, as we go, we don't go by ourselves. He goes with us. But aren't you glad that someone took the time to share God's word with you, that you could be saved? And many of you this morning raised your hand and said, I know someone that does not know the Lord. You see, I want you to think about three things as we conclude this morning. Notice the first one there in your notes. I want you to remember, not just now, but I, I want you to never forget where the Lord found you and what he has done for you since he saved you. You know, as I read in the New Testament, the writings of Paul, I really believe Paul never got over his salvation. As a matter of fact, I think it's kind of neat that God allowed three times in one book of the Bible, the book of Acts, for Paul's testimony of his salvation to be recorded. When's the last time you told somebody that God picked you up out of a horrible pit, set your feet upon a rock and established your goings and put a new song in your mouth? You see, we need to always remember what the Lord's done for us. Secondly, look at this. Ask God to give you a greater burden for the lost. That person you thought of, I thought of some people this week. I thought of some people. And I'm asking God to give me a greater burden for those people. And then thirdly, look at this. Not only today, but every day, we need to make a conscious decision to go out into the world, go out into the field, and to scatter the seed of the Word of God. Psalm 126, it's not just two verses that we can ignore. Look at it again. The Bible says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. How many of you would say, honestly, genuinely, that from the time that this message started till right now, 
You saw the verse at the beginning, and you've heard God's word, and God has shown you a more meaningful reason that these two verses are in his word. Every one of us. Now, one thing that got me was, look at the end of the verse 6. Bringing his sheaves. Everybody see the word? It's not one that's real common to us. And by the way, it's plural. The singular of sheaves is sheaf. Well, if you're not used to farming, you might not be familiar with it. But a sheaf is actually a collection of, might be wheat, rye, could be barley, oats, and they've been harvested and bound together. The idea here is, is when you get to heaven someday, are there going to be others in heaven because of the tears that you've shed over their lost soul? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I asked earlier, many of you raised your hand that you know the Lord is your Savior. I trust and pray that everyone here this morning is. But if you've never had a moment in your life that you realize that you're a sinner and that Christ died for you, then I, I beseech you, I beg you this morning to settle that today. See, the message this morning, yes, was for Christians. But the reality is, is you are one of those that Jesus came for. He came to seek and save the lost. And if you need to be saved, in a moment, we're going to give, extend what's called an invitation. It's basically an opportunity for you to respond. And we're going to ask. Nobody's going to make you. Nobody's going to force you. But would you come to the Lord this morning? And if you come, he'll meet you. And he'll forgive you of your sin and give you a home in heaven. We'd, we'd, want, we'd love that opportunity to take the Bible and show you how you can know that you have a home in heaven. And if you are saved, you've been given much. What are you doing with the Word of God? When's the last time you shared it with someone else? When's the last time you saw someone saved? Have you ever been used of God to bring somebody to Him? Maybe you want to come this morning and say, Lord, help me to be a better witness, to have more passion for my neighbors, my family, my friends, this world that you wept over. Would you stand with me this morning to our feet as the piano begins to play? If God's spoken to your heart, why don't you come right now? Right now. Don't put it off. Listen, there are souls that are hanging in the balance, and it's all up to us. Whether or not we're going to respond, shed some tears over those that are lost. Many raised their hand this morning, people they know. And if you don't come, would you at least, where you're at, would you pray for them? 
If you need to be saved, why don't you come as Brother Kenny sings.